I bought the new wrestling game. Um, of course you did. Shut fuck, fuck the wall. Ah, I don't need to shim from you people. I know what I'm about. I caved to peer pressure. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, the soundtrack is apparently uh, personally selected by The Rock, and one of the songs is a Kid Rock song, and I didn't think anybody still listened to Kid Rock, and now I know why, because it's the worst fucking thing I've ever heard in my whole life. It's four minutes of Kid Rock scatting at me. That's <laughs> all it is. I and bet you Rock song, works out to that song. Fucking music drops out, and he's just going, that deep dab dab white boy like me. <laughs> all it is. All right. Hey, Connor, you should start a band. Um... <laughs> Let's call it Kid Croc. <laughs> he fucking sucks. Anyway, hi, everybody. Welcome to the Phantom Zone. We're not talking about Kid Rock. We're talking about The Crow. I'm excited. Uh... I am, too. Who else is here? I'm here, and I'm sad. That's What's your sound? name, though? Nice to meet you, sad. My name I... is... Well, my name doesn't my matter. My name is Oliver Queen, and I'm not the arrow anymore. I thought he was taking a really long pause because he was going to yell Kid Rock. <laughs> oh, God. Kid Rock. <laughs> I'm the king of rock. There is... Uh, well, whatever. No, oh, don't. Gotcha. Don't dis- besmirch no, Run DMC. Don't you dare. No, no. I was, I was trying to smirch, besmirch um, Ready to Rumble. The sad thing is... Uh, ba what a ba lyrics are playing through my head right now, and I hate you for that. Uh, um, like the horrible song you've ever made. But um, yeah, Arlen Haro here. Um, yay! Hey, uh, I'm Eric Fedorchek, and uh, I'm here to continue to tell you about the FEMA death camps that live <laughs> underneath the airports that are near your cities now. <laughs> I'm glad that carried over. Oh, yeah. yeah, we need to keep Eric's Jesse Ventura alive. Is that a joke from yesterday? <laughs> yeah, we. Yes. Yeah. I, I brought up Warhorse, which is the the blue horse at the Denver airport. Um, <laughs> which, for real, that place has got some messed up artwork. Like I've yeah. actually read a little bit about that place, and it's mm-hmm. a little bit odd. Yeah, some of the imagery on on the mural by yeah. one of the. Yeah, it's it's creepy. Look up the Denver airport. It's a weird place. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. After we finished yesterday, yesterday's recording, I went to bed and start put, and put on Ancient Aliens. Oh, God. <laughs> of course you did. The fuck well, happened yesterday? The thing with Ancient Aliens, you got to understand, is that they've been on it's this cons- planet many It's a conspiracy before. theory. You see, when I worked for Vince McMahon... <laughs> Oh my god, we can have have dueling Jessies. (laughs) Anyway, we're here to talk about The Crow. (laughs) Yep. Um, A very sad, sad movie that does not warrant all this laughter. (laughs) Nope. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very... It's not as serious as you might expect, though. There are moments that are oddly very funny. There are moments that are hysterical in this movie. I'm going to tell you one right now. When I think it's when he's held up at some point and he puts his hands up and then just fucking waltzes off screen for some it's, reason. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. He like he's like prancing he's on one yeah. foot. He jazz hands and taps yeah. his way away from everybody. Like yeah, yeah. I was like, what's going on? I'm Why? Like, he's such a fucking smartass. Like, That's which right. is weird because like he pulls because the whole movie he's kind of like morose and very upset mm-hmm. the whole time. Um, but then when he's when he's happy or laughing, it's the most charming parts of the movie. Yeah. 
And he, now he I... goes to this goofy place that's really weird, and I, you can only assume it's because he knows he can't die, so he knows he can get away with it. Yeah, that's, that's the only way that makes sense. Let me also let me, let me get this out in the open. I fucking love this movie, and it does not need a remake. Please stop. Yeah. No, yeah. No. I love this movie like, to pieces. Maybe a direct sequel. That's what I that that would be my pitch if they were. Well, asking. we got one. It was a TV show. <laughs> My, that was the thing. Hey, I was everybody, a, a the crow had a TV show. Did you know that? I was having a hard time reconciling. Like, am I really legitimately enjoying this movie after seeing it for the first time in almost twenty years, or is it my nostalgia that's making me still think it's good? But I think at the end of it, I was like, yeah, this is actually still a. It's very unique, movie. and I don't think I don't think we have yeah. much like it nowadays. No, and it, no, no, it's kind of ahead of its time in a couple weird ways. Um, aside from the points where he is very goofy. The tone is not that similar or dissimilar from Batman Begins or yeah. Parts of the Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, you know, it looked, it, it looked like something I had seen within the last decade or so, and I think Batman Begins is from what I think of, that like that kind of yellowish, brown, rusty color mm-hmm. that seems to kind of follow everywhere. Yeah. And it's yeah. in some of the, um, I would just say the Dark Knight series, actually, because like Begins is very yellow, Dark Knight yep. is very Brown and rises is very blue, and all of these kind of pop up in the crow in one place or another. There's a scene that felt like it, that reminded me immediately of Dark Knight. Is it the table? Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. that like that feels pulled right out of Heath Ledger's sort of not his introduction scene, but his big like I'm here, I am, and you all know who I am now. Scene. Yeah. Um, and- this movie actually, um, and it triggered this reaction to me one of the first times I sat and watched it, because I watched this after I saw uh, The Warriors the first time, and one of the Warriors actors is in this, and mm-hmm. this movie has a very unique view on, like, gangsters and criminals, yeah. in that it's very colorful and very fantastical. Well, that was that was something I was trying to figure out while I was watching it, was, all right, so they've got this criminal empire, what exactly are they doing to bring revenue in? Like are they like they're just like they're just blatantly just like just fucking like yeah his presence is like non-existent it just doesn't care yeah Um, like they don't they don't do their job really they can just get away with anything it seems like yes it says a lot about your police uh police bureau when um, yeah the every night there's there's fucking fires everywhere (laughs) no uh, when the beat cop knows more than the detective yeah. Yeah, that's true. And so I guess he has, like, this speech where he's talking about Devil's Night. So I guess Devil's Night is, like, the criminal version of Black Friday? Like, is that what it's, we're kind of getting at? Did you guys Mischief Night? You guys yeah, grew it's, up the, on it's Halloween. the day before I Halloween, yeah. I didn't know this was a thing until very yeah, late in my Mischief so. Night, or wherever you, where I grew up, it was called Mischief Night. It might be called something else in other places. Um, no. But the day before Halloween, yeah, it's typically a night of, you know, Either do whatever fuck you want, do what you want. Uh, it, hmm. In my town, Mischief Night, like it was always the the night where you knew the morning after you wake up and there's a chance that your front yard would be covered in toilet paper. Hmm. But in this, in the Crow, the Mischief you Night is stand a chance to wake up and have your front yard on fire. Yeah, or you're <laughs> or you're gonna have your house broken into. Yeah. Um, I might be I might be incorrect, but um. 
as far as I know, like that's always been something that's happened in Detroit was Devil's Night, and that's mm-hmm. that's where the story really? is supposed to be Wait, taking place. Wait, does it take place in Detroit? That's I think where it, it was supposed to be taking place. I thought. I thought There's it takes place of kind of like it takes place just like somewhere else. Because yeah. uh, the comic, it took place in Detroit. It does. It does take place in Detroit in the comic, and this and the movie does give you enough hints to suggest it might be Detroit. Okay, just the, the Crow Two, which is not terrible. Everybody, <laughs> Crow Two takes place in a fictionalized version of Los Angeles. So, right. So this being a fictionalized version of Detroit probably isn't that far from the truth. That kind yeah. of that that makes sense considering the subtitle of the movie. City of Angels? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole... <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah. I'm looking at the uh, Wikipedia article about it, and yeah, it's supposed to be taking place in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, he, do, he does say the Lake Erie thing, T-Bird. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Which is weird, because if if you weren't told where it takes place, it could be anywhere. It's like Gotham. True. It could be Gotham New York. Could be it could be... Anything. It could be Detroit. Gotham could be New York. Gotham could be Philadelphia. Yeah. Yes. It could be any eastern east coast city. Really. Yes, any kind of yeah. like and, and like any any kind of murky coastal city, I suppose. Yeah. Um, although Detroit's not very murky, but still, it kind of gives off that vibe. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Batman Begins. Like it reminds me of the Narrows. The whole thing reminds me of the Narrows. Yeah. 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 Just a city that's just all that sort it's of all dirty, grimy. Gross. <laughs> yeah, and everything is gross. It's there's trash everywhere. It doesn't oh, even. This... That's why I said it reminds me of the Warriors because it is this very—it's a dystopia set in the present. Mm-hmm. Like it's not obviously not in the future. It takes place, you know, roughly the year it came out, and everything just looks like it's fallen the fuck apart. What year? Ninety-four. Sure. Yeah. It's like that was, it's like that how, was the year it came out. It's like how RoboCop <laughs> doesn't look like it's terribly far into the future, but everything around you still looks like it's just fucking awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the fact that you have to wear, God, what was the SPF sunscreen in the one commercial for RoboCop that you have to slather yeah, yeah. it on to be able to... SPF 1000? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, this movie is wonderful, and I think everybody who's giving, like, an, uh, I think every performance is just top-notch. Especially yeah, Michael yeah. I don't think anybody... Oh, man. There's going to be some he, actors' names who I just fucking forget, and yeah. he's one of them, but he's amazing. Even the little girl's good. Um, which is high praise for most movies. So. For most movies, if not all movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even Tony Todd shows up, which is that was fun. Oh, that that him. was Tony Todd. Yeah, yeah, that's Tony Todd. Okay, I could. Well, that was the thing. Like, I was looking at the cast at one point. I didn't notice him, but I I was really surprised that that was actually Bai Ling. Like, I had no yeah. recollection of that being Bai Ling. It's, it's Bai Ling. Like before, we all knew she was just fucking lovably nuts. Well, yep. before, yeah, before she looked absolutely crazy, and she just decided, like, wait, the character I play in Crank, that's who I want to be all the time. Yeah. I've totally forgotten about her. Yeah. And it's very clear that this is something that she's just, she's always been this way. Yeah. Clearly. Um, <laughs> that scene with, uh, with uh, the, the, the face scene. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, face scene. <laughs> Which scene are you talking about? I'm talking you about with with her eyes. Oh yeah, yeah. With, where the crow just like picks her out her eyes. Out. <laughs> this is a this. I will say for this movie is kind of like it's kind of sweet in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very 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 romantic. Um, and it has some of the most horrifying violence. 
Yep. <laughs> with like minimal, like actual on-screen blood and gore. Yeah. 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 Because whatever, the, whatever the fuck, um, Eric does to uh, the villain at the end of the movie just looks absolutely agonizing. You know, um, he, he gives him thirty hours of pain all at once, and then yeah, he all at drops once, him and he's off like, the roof. He's like his eyes start bleeding. He starts bleeding from the mouth, and like when he chucks his body off, I'm like, he doesn't even look recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, he's well, impaled on a fucking uh, on a fucking church gargoyle. Uh, yeah. I was hoping he get hot fucking gargoyle. I was hoping he's gonna get hot fuzzed. Oh. <laughs> oh my. God, I don't think that that'll never happen to anybody in a movie ever again. It ha- it'll happen. It can <laughs> happen to you until dawn. I, I was like, what the fuck would happen to you if one of those things fell on you? And now that I've seen it, I never want to see it again. That that and fucking Timothy Dalton piercing his chin on one of those tiny little houses. Oh, that was... I got up and left the room. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, he's trying to talk. Uh, I just come back, so I hear I heard him go. I want some ice cream. <laughs> um, but uh, who? What is the villain's name? In this fucking movie, I can't remember. Um, which one? Top the dollar villain. was top dollar. Yeah, top dollar. Yeah, he's the. They Damn never it. say his name, which makes no. it hard. Yeah, they. I think they mentioned him as a top once or twice, but I. Yeah. I, I don't remember exactly. Even though um, I watched it. I love the characterization of his villain. This kind of weird, almost feminine uh, villain who likes swords. Yeah, <laughs> or is it just or, or swords? as he's as he as vi- people who play video games call him uh, John Romero. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Well, there was, there was also, I feel like, and I don't know if it was on cutting room floor, it was an idea they didn't go through with, there was a weird mystical side they were trying to show with him, but yeah. he didn't quite go all the way with. Yeah, they kind of, like, hint at it, and I guess it, it, it works, kind of. Kind of the mystical, and it's the occult, yeah. because him, him and Bai Ling figure out Eric Draven's yeah. whole thing real fast. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that and, and, He's unimpressed by the ghostness. He's really not. He's <laughs> he's like, oh, and they can't be killed. Let's figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. He and his sister are yeah. getting yeah, high his half sister are getting high off of eyeball fumes. So yeah, it's it's a little bit off, a little bit off putting. And they like, I guess they just pick up random girls and they have sex with them to death. I guess that yeah. was the implication <laughs> and also. Yeah, come here. I want to make love to you and take your eyeballs. What? What? Something yeah. else with the uh, eyeball burning scene I said to my wife, because she was watching it with me because she used to love it as well. Um, it's something I've seen in other movies where you see this big bad villain and they have a mountain of cocaine in front of them. Uh-huh. Now, one would assume that if you're this big bad top dog or top dollar as the case would be, you would have pretty high-quality cocaine. If you're just going to be sitting there doing bump and rail and bump and rail of cocaine for God knows how long, you are going to have a crippling addiction that's going to make you the most useless leader of a criminal organization that could ever that, exist. That, or you become so bored by it that you turn to huffing eyeballs. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. When drugs become so benign, you're like, I don't know, what the fuck does a human nose do to me? <laughs> I'm gonna take a toenail or a bucket take a toenail. Let me fucking grind your toenails. I take a snort of those. What does it do? <laughs> that's that enters a whole. Sir, new you have hepatitis. Damn. <laughs> it was worth every second of that high. Every second. Um, 
It that the eyeball sequence for uh, for reasons reminds me of. This is gonna be weird again. Then a connection. Prince of Thieves when fucking the sheriff and what's her nuts are. She's like. She's doing her, like, suit saying or whatever the hell she's doing, but she's just, like, right. dumping random shit into a hot plate and then spits in it. Yeah. <laughs> she's also, like, ah! Um, Michael Wintock is in Tom that Dollar movie. is in Prince of Thieves. <laughs> yeah. He's the sheriff's cousin who... who he's, oh, he's, shit. He's Alan Rickman's cousin who he then stabs... I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, Michael Wincott. Wait, wait, wait. The, Did someone just turn on Nintendo? Maybe somebody in the background, possibly. Not me. I don't want. They had the best exchange in that movie. He's like, I'll cut his heart out with a spoon. Cousin. <laughs> a spoon. Because it hurts more. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Prince of Thieves is pretty good, except. Yeah. Kevin Costner's shouldn't be there, but everything else about it is fantastic. So cheesy. Yeah. Um, the Crow is not. I think the Crow is actually it's safe for a few moments of comedy. Crow is super straight. Yeah, they they take it very it's seriously. Tongue and cheek. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact too that uh, James O'Barr, the writer and uh, and penciler for the comic, was involved heavily with the creation of the movie. See, okay. Yeah. I've never read The Crow. Oh, you should. It's it's worth it. it um, and part of it is, so the movie and the book, they aren't, they're not so similar that you're just, like, doing the same thing over again. Yeah. They, there's a lot of plot elements that they change, and also, as 90s as this movie is, the book is just as 80s. Yeah. So, it, <laughs> so it's re-readable um, on its own. I've seen the comic, like I've seen it in stores, and yeah, he has total air, uh, '80s hair metal hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he totally does. It's all yeah, that's, the, that's the only thing oh, about this. That the um, the aesthetic of this movie is very '90s rock. Yeah, everything about it, and like I don't like we don't really have comic movies, save for like Logan, where you can have like a direct influence like that, which is like Westerns. Um, but movies now don't pull from like um like an overall look and feel yeah. like genre or different genre of movies um and this does well i mean that's that's the thing in the comic like i know uh i know you you posted something a while ago to uh dark Sessions about about uh, the nine inch nails cover of of the joy division song that's Ooh. on the soundtrack to this correct um, so, if I remember correctly... It's in this in one or the sequel? I can't remember. It's in this it's one, yeah. It's in this yeah. one. Yeah. I get souls. Um, in the comic, there's entire sections of it that'll be, like, just a page, maybe two, of lyrics to a song. Like, there's one that's just all the lyrics to uh, Hanging Gardens from The Cure, and thusly that's why it's in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's the comic tries to do some interesting things at times, and I think they actually did a very good job of translating a lot of that over to. That's really interesting. Yeah, because they and they they took the they basically adapted that to like the decade it came out too. Yeah, yeah. very much so. Yeah, well, like, the comic started coming out in '89. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, so right in the brink of the 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 nineties, basically. Yep. Yeah, yep, but yep. the if you read it, it it feels like like you mentioned the Warriors earlier. The characters in the Crow feel like characters from the Warriors 
a lot if you look at the way they're illustrated and the way that they yeah, dress. Definitely. It's very, definitely. it's very early '80s. So awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like even uh, Blade didn't have like you couldn't read its influences on its sleeve. No, and, like this no. this wears its influences on its sleeve, and it's I think it's awesome. Like there's no reason to have Brandon Lee on a rooftop jamming out in a guitar, no. but it well... completely belongs. That was, yeah. that was something I was trying to figure out when I was watching it, because I don't know for sure if that actually was Brandon Lee, because <laughs> well, I think I mean, they had to get some filler in there at certain points because of what happened on the yeah, set. But still, I yeah, mean, like, okay, maybe. Eric, Eric Draven is more of what I'm referring to, um, the character himself. Gotcha. Like, there's, there's little reason to do that other than, like, no, the character likes metal music or rock music, mm-hmm. and, like, he's just trying to, like, fucking be human for a few minutes. No, I yeah. can, I it's just there as like a character piece, and it's great, and like it's that's just part of the influence. Um, yeah. And and the fucking burn montage, good god, god that is awesome. It's so good, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Like that's like, when the I movie starts. Cure, I don't think badass, and like, but burned by the cure is really really good. <laughs> yes, God, that's that's gonna be the opening to this episode. I can tell you that right now. Um, um, there's um, a awesome. good cover of it by a band called the Annex. They also covered "Cry Little Sister" from uh. Lost Boys. Lost Boys, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, good shit. Yeah. Um, all the music in this movie is astoundingly good. Yeah. Uh, and I brought up the second one. The sequel soundtrack is good, too. That the sequel's wasn't... good, damn it. <laughs> we'll get to that. We might have to have a court case about that one, like a couple yeah. other movies. But um, I will, fine. I will, I will allow that the soundtrack is pretty damn good for the second one as well. Like, Here's the thing. I... Here's why I think, and, and I'm not going to dwell on this too long because we're still talking about the first one sequel the sequel's fine because look what fucking happened afterwards yeah <laughs> i mean you can use that argument for a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> i so... understand but in retrospect you go back and go oh this is fine i can keep this <laughs> can, uh, can i answer the I uh with this the, the question of how they um kept brandon lee in the movie Yes, I think we're all familiar with this, but please go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his stunt double, Chad Stahusky, a.k.a. one of the co-directors of John Wick. Oh, shit. Holy shit, really? Yeah, he was wow. used as stand and wow. they CGI'd um, Brandon so Lee's much. face on him. And... Huh. So Maybe much of the plot of this movie is the same. That is... <laughs> there that... are, like... Wow... Like that, even the yeah. the structure of John Wick in this movie are very similar. Even how at the end there's a, another bigger gangster that you have to, wow, yeah, uh. nuts. Well, that was uh, that was one of the things too. With uh, not to continue to harp on the sequel, but the sequel used some of the stuff that they couldn't fit in from the comic in the first movie into the second, like direct oh. lines of dialogue. So, but that's that's really neither here nor there. I also heard, the and one. well, and again, this will be the last, like the last kind of thing I bring. Well, maybe not the last, but I'll just kind of transfer here. Second one was also supposed to be a different movie, and the studio fucking hacked it to bits. So yeah, you can definitely and, feel that. And this movie doesn't look like it was hacked to bits at all. No, Mm-mm. this movie no. looks like Alex Proyas was pretty much allowed to do what he wanted. God, uh, can also, we talk about Alex Proyas? Let's fucking thing... talk about Alex Proyas because he may he has made two of my all time favorite movies. This included. Uh, the other being Dark City. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and for those who haven't seen Dark City, 
first of all, first thing you should do is open your hand, create a nice little straight open palm, and smack yourself right in the nose. <laughs> Real hard, you cry a little bit. Like a, like you're slamming a fucking button. Do it. Um, so there's actually Dark City. While there's one, there are two people that have to be credited for this movie's um, ultimate release. Oh, and those are the Weinstein's. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I didn't want. Yeah. I, I was wondering when this would come up. Um, yeah, because they yeah. Paramount was or was it Paramount? No, yeah, it was. So the time was Miramax, and it was no, no, it was Paramount. No. Paramount ahead, was Alan. was going to distribute the crow, right? And then Brandon Lee died on the set, and the movie got dropped by them, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Miramax yeah. picked it up. They they pumped it with they pumped it with about eight, like with a, a, an extra eight million dollars. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. The That's bud- actually really cool of them. The budget Fuck went yeah, up. The budget went up it, to, to $23 million. And the I script was, was also... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. The script was rewritten by Waylon, Waylon Green, Rene Balser, hmm. and Michael S. Trinuchin. The, uh, the other thing was, if I remember correctly, there was, I think, week delay in filming just because they wanted to give everybody time to deal with what had yes. happened. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I... I think that's really amazing that a a film company, regardless of who runs it, would actually be like, "Yeah, you guys need the time to do this, and then if you let's, want to come back, let's finish it." Before we get back to Alex Proyas, um, let's just get the elephant out of the room and talk about Brandon Lee. Yeah. Um, this sucks because this dude wasn't even a star yet. Yeah, and been likely the movie that put him on the map. Yeah, because as yeah. far as and someone who might have been in more demand. Yeah. Do you know how yeah. many how many day, more days he was needed for on set? It, I heard it wasn't many. Three. Uh, six is oh my memory uh, was six. Wow. Shit. Three. Yeah. Only three I more days. Six was the total amount of reshoots they needed to do, and yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and it, it, Brandon it Lee why... not, again, not to besmirch the dead, but mm-hmm. Brandon Lee was not a star or a celebrity right. in, any, for, in any way before this movie came out. Nah, he, like, name recognition alone at all, if at all. Like, like he, he, was, a... he was Bruce Lee's son, mm-hmm. and he was doing Z-grade directed video VHS action flicks. Yeah, and he was also a stunt double was for it, a while. Double Tokyo or something like that? Yeah, Yeah, was. like, like yeah. shit-tier, bargain bin, Chuck Norris, later years, garbage. He was mm-hmm. in a movie with Dolph Lundgren, that wasn't bad. Yeah, but I think my cousin's been in a movie with Dolph Lundgren, so... <laughs> I honestly feel I, bad. I, I really feel bad for... I don't even know about it. I really feel bad for Ernie Hudson because... His brother-in-law passed away around the time of... Or, like, right... He died around the same time Brandon Lee died. Oof. He was the only Jeez. one of the cast and crew who didn't stay in Wilmington. Oh. So, yeah... It's got to be rough. Well, and just the entire way that Brandon Lee died is just, it's so a fucking com- it's a, it's stupid. A, it's a series of errors that's completely preventable. Yeah. And yeah. his death basically due to people not paying enough fucking attention when dealing with a dangerous weapon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only the, the only and, positive thing come out of it. And Michael, Michael Massey? 
the actor? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. is not to blame. No, yeah. at all. no, nobody no, blames. Nothing him. to do it, with it. It no. ruined him. I don't mean like as an actor, it, as a human being. It yeah. destroyed him. Yeah, and it's I, such I saw a shame. something that said he would wake up screaming sometimes, like years yeah. later. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would. I don't know exactly what his cause, but I would not be surprised if if this took quite a few years off of his life. He died at sixty-one of cancer, I believe. Okay, sixty-one okay. is still pretty young to go. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're at you, risk, but like you, you can you can fucking push past that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just it was it was a like you said it was a terrible just a cacophony of errors. Like so for those, it was, yeah. it was dummy and, cartridges that were supposed to be used for a close up scene of the gun, yes. and they were never removed from the same gun yeah. that then had blanks put into it. And, and for those, those who just may not know, like we're referring to the scene right at the beginning of the movie where, um. It shows you how Eric Draven died. Yeah. And it's because the gun used in that scene, the scene you're, regardless of urban legends, yeah. the scene you see in the film is not Brandon Lee getting killed. It's yeah. fucking false. It's a, it's a stunt. It's a double. Um, it was oh. Chad Stahowski. Okay, um, I'm just reading. Uh, instead of purchasing commercial dummy cartridges, the film's prop crew, hampered by constraints, them. created their own by pulling the yes. bullets from live rounds. Yes, they made them themselves, and it created basically like it, uh, it lodged like it. I think basically firing the gun created shrapnel. Yeah, which then fired from the barrel like it was a bullet, mm-hmm. and I think hit Brandon in the body, and I think lodged in his spine. Jeez, and he died in the hospital. Yeah, the, the bullet was driven uh, partially into the barrel where it became stuck, and yeah. the prop crew either failed to notice or failed to recognize the significance and, of the issue. And like his father, not only did he die during a film set, but I think both his father's death and his death were basically just like just freak occurrences. His father died from a painkiller, if I remember correctly. It was like an allergic reaction. Like over the top ones, yeah. Yeah, it was something an so an odd. allergic reaction to painkillers. Yeah. The fuck? Yeah. Well, you know, the... the legend or even some truth to it, it was that it, his family was cursed. Yeah. If you watch the film Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Um, <laughs> uh, please don't. Don't watch it. Jesus I actually like that movie. You're talking about yeah, the one Jesus with Jason Lee, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The scene where he yells at his wife is the fucking dumbest shit I've ever seen. Go away from I... me! Don't talk to me! <laughs> yeah, but when he fights that demon creature, it's so good. Um, but yeah, um... But again, positive things come out of this. Every stunt team like stops the movie to like give a speech now. Like every mm-hmm. time that they have to do scenes like this, they make it very clear these will not be live cartridges. These will be, you know, modified for safety. And there's this whole long process that they put everybody through, and everybody has to be respectful of it. And so. Things changed as a result of this movie if you're on a professional set. So that's yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. If you're on a union set, there's things are different after this movie. So very different. And I mean quite frankly, and like not to disrespect memory of Brandon Lee, but like I'm surprised that someone who was as kind of unimportant to the stratosphere of Hollywood would make that kind of a ripple. Because in the, the olden days, though. in the olden days, yeah. if you lost an actor at sea, oh fucking well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, true. But, but it's like anything. But, like 
the safety with helicopters, I assume, is it's was, a, it's, it's, it was changed. <laughs> well, I think with I think with uh, what Arlen was saying about the changes that were made, um, the whole reason that that came about because of this movie was because of the eerie similarity to to the unfortunate untimely demise of both Lees. Like it, right. it, it made people realize, like, ah, shit. Like, with this kid's name, like, we really need to take a look at this because, I mean, that's that's what also coming out. Like, mm-hmm. also because of a careless accident, like, you, like, not you or they specifically, but like, you snuffed out a family legacy. Yeah, yeah. You, d- yeah. you, you destroyed what could have been like acting royalty. Um, yeah. And, and Brandon Lee lack of is safety care. Yeah, and, and Brandon Lee is often compared to um, Kurt Cobain, obviously for fairly obvious reasons. Um, yeah. Similar time, you know, at, of time in the '90s, same year um, of the era. Yeah, of the era, and they're often compared to each other, um, and they're both thought of as people who could have gone on to do more. Brandon Lee could have gone on to be Brandon something Lee much bigger. Brandon Lee was going to be in Mortal Kombat. Definitely. He was looked at before Robin Shue, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So then uh, there's, but there's no Robin Shue films after that, so I don't, I yeah, don't know. Exactly. That's, <laughs> I don't well, know. Well, like, well, like, here's the thing. Like, Robin Shue is fucking Robin Shue. He's not Bruce right. Lee's son. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we wouldn't have gotten that awesome movie with Neil McDonough playing oh bison. Thanks, <laughs> God is bison. <laughs> it's not uh, the Robin same. Shoe fucking Robin, Robin Shue double dipped and was in a Mortal Kombat and a Street Fighter movie. <laughs> oh, that's right. He was, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, the one with uh, Lana Lang. Oh, no. He was Gen in a fucking Street Fighter Legend of Chun-Li. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. Oh, boy. He was also in Kung, is it Kung Fu Ping Pong? What's is that? What it, no Balls of Fury? That's what it's called. I love Balls uh, of Fury so much. He's, he's so good. Fire. Yeah, he, hey, hold on. He was in Beverly Hills Ninja as well. Mm-hmm. One, yeah, one of yeah. my favorite movies. <laughs> rip, 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 Chris Farley. Lots of lots of ripping today. But um, he was also in, in uh, the uh, Death Race trilogy. <laughs> So uh, uh, back to Alex Proyas. Really, yes. <laughs> Let's talk about Alex Proyas. Now. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Um, yeah. He was in Sleeping Dogs. Okay. Okay. Can we? <laughs> can right. we not this? I'm sure Robin Shu will show up in a movie that we are actually going to yeah. watch for this yeah, show. Alan, because I know what you do. Close the web page right now. <laughs> Before you read off everything that Robin Shu has done the past 15 years. Which I'm sure is too much, but still not that much. Yeah, let's talk about everything else Alex Proyas has done in the last 15 years. <laughs> yeah, like God's, good question. God's of Egypt. I have no... Fu- uh. <laughs> Here's the thing. Alex Proyas after <sighs> City, it's a weird, weird list of movies. Yeah, it, it is. really is. Because some of these I didn't know he made, including iRobot. What yeah. the fuck? I Except he's also for knowing. Knowing? Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel better... Dark City, he he wrote and directed and produced. Yeah, and Dark City is a good movie. It's, that's it's, his it's, Fury Road because if George Miller went out tomorrow, I'd be like, he died on Fury Road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so really, anything after Dark City no longer matters because iRobot sucks and knowing it's fucking bizarre. I just, yeah. Knowing I've never even knowing is that uh, Coppola movie, right? 
No. <laughs> no. Knowing what? is the movie where angels show up like halfway through, and, and you're like, Cage is, is and, there. and, and, and Nick Cage, movie. and <laughs> oh god, and Nick oh, Cage god. is solar flare. Let's, yep. not, let's not split hairs here, Al. And at the end, you realize that these two kids who you've been through throughout all the movie, guess what? They're Adam and Eve. <sighs> Shock! Surprise! Nope. So Michael was... Cobb was in, in uh, Hitchcock. Okay. Okay, then. Close the um, page. Close your browser. I'm not even... No, I just know this from memory. <laughs> of okay. course you do. But also, Gods of Egypt... <laughs> um, Gods of yeah. Egypt... Would... Seven years to make, I guess. And Alex Proyas went on like a weird tirade against critics because that's the thing now to do. Um, and you blamed, the whole it's, it's making me very. It's making me look at like directors I respected, <clears throat> Adam Wingard, um, and be like, "Stop this, you fucking child!" Like, <laughs> oh no, the bad man said my movie was bad. <laughs> Granted, yeah. the guy who made Kong called out the right people because let's come to terms everybody cinema sins is garbage and it's not real criticism it's not even funny so let's just stop that right now you're talking about um, Jordan yeah. Roberts, right? yes um but like adam like yeah i remember this he was like he got very upset with the reception about this um mm-hmm. and i brought up wingard because after death note came out and everyone was like you made a bad movie and he got on twitter and i guess was kind of a dick uh, and then he got death threats and deleted his Twitter. So the moral of the story, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, is, is I, don't I think the death threats were a big part of it. Death threats are not fucking cool, and yeah. you shouldn't fucking do that. Please stop yeah. doing this. It's a movie. It's not that serious. However, um, on the other hand of that, don't step out into the wilderness, mm-hmm. bro, because they will. And unless you have the nuts to put up with it. Don't open your mouth. Yeah. Some people can take it. Some people can't. I am not sure if I could, to be honest. The thing with Alex Proyas is that uh, I'm sure iRobot was strike one. I'm sure Knowing was strike two. And I'm sure God's Vision was strike three. I hope that's... so. <laughs> <laughs> or he hasn't done anything. Or... Oh, man. I mean, I'm not going to. Uh, here's the thing. I'm I'm oh, the person who's like. savage. I'm the person who, when Split was coming out, and when I was just seeing trailers for the movie, I was like, "Really? This looks. This does not look great. Man, this looks like dog you know shit." I'm gonna be right there with you. I I have been ready to write Shyamalan off for fucking years. Yeah, but then the reviews came out, and everybody started talking about how good it was. And then I sat down in the theater, and it's still one of the best movies of the year, in my opinion. So I, yeah. I'm not gonna. And then yeah, you're like, it's a secret sequel to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that also helped. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. I'm not going to write Proyas off, but at this point, stop. Just just stop. No, stop. Because, and I, I said only those three movies because in between them was uh, Fan Gadget, which is a video documentary. I'm only looking the be- I'm only looking the best of NXS documentary and something I can't pronounce. Therefore, I won't try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I, I I Dark City was as good as this guy is going to get. Save the crow. And I yeah. don't know, to be honest. I think the reason that he made, he want or he was, he wanted to do Gods of Egypt is that he's from Egypt. He is, and I'm sure it must have really broken his heart to be like, oh, so who's playing Ra? This white guy. Oh. 
Wait, who's playing? Yeah. Who's playing all of these Egyptians? Oh, who's white playing? Oh. Yeah, who's playing Anubis? <laughs> this white guy. Oh, yeah. Neither Egyptians. Oh, they're the white guys from Europe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Why aren't you happy? Uh, no, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you get to work with Gerard Butler. Oh. And yeah. Jamie Lannister. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember that movie that has Black Panther in it, but in like a side role? Yeah, yeah, that movie about Egyptians? Huh. wonder uh, if there was a miscasting there. That movie had as many Egyptians in it as, as fucking Prince of Persia had Persians in it, okay? Mm-hmm. You know what? Here's that... <laughs> Didn't Gods of Egypt come out around the same time that, uh, that his face god damn it i can't remember him um there was there another, was another movie, movie though yeah yeah that had a that had a christian bale in it oh yeah no it was very close to um god no i know what you're talking about it was the yeah. ridley scott movie yeah, ridley scott thank you yeah uh shit, i can't remember the, his, name of the movie though his version it was exodus 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 that's, that's the, it I had to remember the biblical story to remember the name of the movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where guys like Joel Edgerton and Christian Bale played Egyptians. Yeah. Yeah, well, Christian, who has the most I'm from fucking Texas sounding name I've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> even though he's Australian. I know. And even <laughs> Christian Bale's supposed to be like an he's a he's technically he's a Jew, I guess, at the time, but still, it's weird. It's very See, weird. Here's the thing: yeah. you can get away with putting Ben Kingsley in these movies because you look at him and go, "Where the hell are you from?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he can, he can pull off whatever. <laughs> but he it... can do anything. <laughs> but yeah, you like hear him talk, you're like British. Are you from South Africa? Are you from? Are you one of those British Indian people? I mean, know what you are. <laughs> are yeah. you Are you an Australian madman like in Sexy Beast? <laughs> <laughs> then you realize his last name is Singh or something like that. I can't yeah. Really remember, but yeah. So it's like, okay, we get it. You, but you were, you were a German once? What the hell? Where are you from? He played Gandhi. Right? <laughs> like... He played... Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Remember uh, that time when uh, people didn't know what colors... Or there was, it was a family family guy bit about The Rock? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what are you? Where are you are from? You... What are you, white, black? You're somewhere in between? Um, The Crow. Crow. Yeah, yep. I was gonna say we're back to yeah. Crow. Yeah. Um this is made by Alex Proyas. It all it's yeah. all connected. Um yeah. and it has a lot of character actors and it has tons yeah. of just like well, I mean look at the characters they're playing. Everybody feels unique. Mm-hmm. Two people are like in this movie. Yeah, but David um, Patrick Kelly is uh especially the, th- the thugs. God, those yeah. three, four, four of them? Four, three yeah. And I love the last thug who's like celebrating on his own when they're all dead. Fire it up! Fire, Fire it up! It up. Like, we should record this. And... <laughs> I, love when I love when they're fucking when it's down to like, what, two of them? They're like, I mean, do we still do it? Do we still fire it up? And they're like, they're yeah, they're there. going to like the this, end, baby. This fucking sad moment where they're just like, there's half of us now. <laughs> Go get smokes and road beers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's, that's the thing, like, uh, talking about how, you know, this movie probably would have made Brandon Lee a a road to stardom more so than he already was. Um, I feel like all of this, all of the characters in this movie, like this was their potential jumping point because I don't mm-hmm. think anybody put in a really bad performance for the character. No, they were. Playing. I don't think that's why I said earlier. I don't think anybody in this movie does a bad job. No. I don't think any of this does an okay job. I think everybody's doing great. Even the idiots for even like whatever, even Ernie Hudson is like, um, he, he actually seems like he cares. Who is like yeah. Ernie Hudson's pretty plain as day. Is like his comedic timing is not because he's doing anything particularly special. It's because he's normal as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ernie Hudson could be your dad. Um, right. That that and 
he smokes cigarettes real bizarrely in this movie. Like, I don't know if anybody noticed when they're first zooming in on the uh, giant window that was in their ridiculous apartment. He's holding his cigarette in the most odd way I think I've ever seen anybody he, smoke He a probably doesn't smoke in real life and was like, what do I do with this? <laughs> it's like when well, you no, hit... It's like when you hand but he did. It still looks weird, even though I've smoked weed for so long. <laughs> That's the thing, though. In Ghostbusters, Legal here, he buddy. Because <laughs> in just, Ghostbusters, he did smoke. I mean, it's not like fucking huh. uh, Dan Aykroyd, who smoked a cigarette by having it just hang off the very tip off of his the lip. the tip of his lip, and yeah. Just, <laughs> just constantly <laughs> having it, pulling a Sam Jackson Jurassic Park, just fucking, just like... Yeah. Access to mainframe. Access security codes. No, I didn't put my microphone in my mouth that time. <laughs> oh uh, God, thank, time. thank you, God. Was um, a pen I got from work. <laughs> I still, I still found the scene funny when he, um, pen, so. when he was just to help remember, remind you that he's a cop when he's he's in his. <laughs> his, where his, you're his going. He's it's like at night. He's getting ready to go to bed, but he still has his hat on. <laughs> I love air. Oh I love... You still have your hat on. <laughs> doesn't he pull his gun on him in his fucking underwear and his cap? Yeah. yeah. No, no, good. he doesn't. He doesn't pull his gun on him. He's, he has a beer in his hand, and uh-huh. Eric says "boo" or something along those lines, and he drops it. He's like, "You can't do that to me, man. You can't do that to people." <laughs> All of these scenes of levity with Brandon Lee are so well done, and that's why I think like his performance in this movie is really good because when he is intense and when he is really angry. He is fucking laying it on. Um, yep. He is yeah. scary in a scene where he's stabbing what's his nuts to death. Yeah, uh, Tintin. Tintin. Yeah, yeah. he. What were the names of the idiots for? I know it's there was Tintin, Fun Boy, uh, T uh, Bird. Yeah, T Bird. Uh, Skank. Skank. Yeah. 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 Skank's one got clapped, isn't it? Yeah, he's the one who got thrown out the window. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's interesting because uh, in the comic. Uh, Top Dollar actually was just one of the thugs that was with them. Like, uh, yeah. T-Bird was the main bad guy, or the main guy that Eric wanted to kill. Yeah, he's like the final boss in the comic. And his death is pretty uneventful, really, compared to this. Um, yeah, but it's the death in the comic was pretty great in my mind, just because the last shot, or the last panel in the comic, or last two, is you see T-Bird's all fucked up after crashing mm-hmm. his car. And you see uh, Eric coming up to him, and he's asking him, "Hey, how many how many angels can dance on the head of a pin?" And T Bird says something to him, and then the next the next panel is you just see Eric holding a hammer, saying, "Depending on it depends on the tune," and that's the last you see of any of them before it goes to the the ending of what's going on with Eric in the comic. That mm. seems to go hand in hand with how many kind of good. There are a ton of good one liners in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, including the uh, the moving your dead. Joke. I say, I say, I move, and I say, I'm dead, and I move. Yeah. yeah. Which a uh, funny thing with that, uh, right after the Gideon's pawn shop gets blown up, the guy that you see stealing a TV when they flash the looters, that was James O'Barr. Oh, <laughs> that's not that's great. Yeah, yeah, because he he was a huge help during the production of the movie, and they're like, hey, you want this little scene? He's like, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Uh, what has he done? What else has he done? By the way, James oh. Obar. Yeah, James Obar. Because he, I remember hearing about him, sort of, like unrelated to the Crow. It really I'm... is just the Crow, really. Yeah, like, that's all I really knew about. He he really doesn't. He didn't really do much. And the Crow is an impressive book to go back yeah. to. It is. And 
And if you get, I have like the special edition, and he explains in it, this is an indie comic, mm-hmm. and it's a pre-image indie comic, so that means that the layouts were very different, and it was very expensive, and you really had to do most of the work yourself. Um, and he hadn't written anything before, so he kind of like flash in the pan it a little bit. And if you read it, it's the art is very impressive, and the writing is very impressive for somebody who wasn't really doing this before. It's the, it's the work of a natural, is what it sounds like. Like, <laughs> well, someone who picked up a medium and was like, I'm gonna try this, and was just like, I'll just fucking hit a home run out the gate. It's, if I remember I've seen correctly... The, the art is incredible. If mm-hmm. I remember correctly, he was doing um, manuals for the Marines before mm-hmm. he even got into comics, and then the whole reason the Crow, the comic was created was his wife had died uh, in a car crash with a drunk driver. Yeah. And okay, I was going to ask earlier, I totally forgot, yeah. like I was going to ask if this came from some kind of personal tragedy, and There's holy that. shit, that makes a lot of sense. And he had also um, seen a report in a Detroit newspaper about a couple that was killed over a $20 engagement ring. Ooh. So he had he had a lot of things he was working out, and seeing that, I guess, just made him put pen to paper. And yeah, yeah, it just that it, is it works so well. Awful, and that explains so much about the story overall. Yeah, which yeah. I mentioned earlier, this movie is very sweet and very romantic, but it's also sad as fuck. Oh yeah, this like to say, to say there's a happy ending to this is kind of a stretch. Like there's an ending that's not bad. But yeah. two people are still dead, and there's nothing you can do to bring them back. Yeah. Well, and if it if it <laughs> if it uh, persuades you to read the comic even more, the comic is even more nihilistic because there isn't really a happy ending for anyone in it. Like there is an analog of the uh, young girl in the movie in the comic, but she yeah. ends up being helped out by Albrecht, if I remember correctly. But her mom isn't saved from her opium addiction or uh, whatever she's on. Uh, yeah, I would actually say morphine. it's, Dar- it's yeah. Darla, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, Darla is but, the only person in this movie who is effectively saved. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and she has to have, uh, like, she has to have the fucking piss scared out of her to do it, too. Yeah. yeah. It's like, a very real-world saving. She has a run-in with a fucking ghost. Yeah. <laughs> For all intents and purposes. And yeah. then was like, holy shit, I have a daughter I need to take care of. Which, yeah, in that scene, when he gets when he hits the gun down and Funboy shoots himself in the leg, he's not like ah oh, fuck or ow, just you're ruining my sheets. With his yeah. <laughs> he's so high. <laughs> that and if you noticed when uh when Eric grabs the syringe and is holding him down, he's not like what are you doing? He just says you're wasting it, man, and that's the last thing you hear from Funboy before the yeah. next scene of him. Yeah. Um, I also like you. Meant, I'm glad you mentioned the, the, the slapping. Like the way Brantley's character fights people in this movie is so unorthodox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's no like like you watch like something now. You're like, oh, they clearly had a fucking Krav Maga expert come in and teach Batman how to fucking forearm people. Right. Um, it's one of my biggest problems with the Dark Knight series is that every time Batman fights someone, I'm like, is he just pushing people all over the place? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> um. And, and in this, like, what, what, like what, just Connor, where would you prefer this or Luke Cage, where he was, where Mike Holter told <laughs> people were just that, told just bump, just bump off, people are just gonna bump off of you. No, no, no. <laughs> that he had to basically slap people instead of punching them. I mean, it makes more sense because, like, 
Luke Cage shouldn't have to fight anybody. He's a boulder. Yeah. He just yeah. he just stands there. Yeah. Um, but like th- like Brandon Lee is he slapping guns in people's thighs? Like it's lots of backhands and fucking just like aggressive mm-hmm. just strikes or gunplay. Well, yeah, like he throws a lot of people also. Need, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> he just throws people like throws them across the room. A lot. Well, he's, oh, I mean, so he went to the Jessica people... Jones school of fighting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, but same thing though. If I had, I've like, if I just didn't care and like my ability was like. Hey, you're super fucking strong. I'm I'm just gonna throw people across the room. Yeah. Song, do. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it makes sense in a way because I mean, it's it's a fighting style born from just pure anger and sorrow. Like he, it's not yeah. like he was a trained fighter, you know. Yeah. And he's he just comes well, just, back from the dead. He's just odd because like you say Brandon Lee and you think Bruce Lee, you're like, oh, martial arts. There's not a fucking ounce of martial arts in this movie. Like, <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. Just, no. He's just beating the piss out of people. Uh, There's more sword fighting in this movie than there is anybody doing any kind of kung fu yeah, or I don't think, like that. I don't think Brendan Lee throws a kick. No. No. And if he does, it's just a straight shot to the gut. Like, it's nothing he, fancy. He does, like, a couple jump kicks, kind of. Like, but that's about as close as we get to... Yeah, there's no... There's, like, to say there's fight choreography is a little, like, inaccurate, yeah. probably. Because there is, but it's like, they didn't bring in a wushu master to fucking, you know... <laughs> Titan things. It's just it's falling and it, it's awesome. It works. Yeah. Well, I uh, I kind of wonder if that's connected to the fact that he didn't want to have to run off of his father's last name. Like yeah. he was trying fair. to prove himself. Fair, but I think the next movie after this is a very much like a kung fu movie. His last movie was. Um, but I, I get what you mean. This movie feels almost more. Um, Oh, what's his name? The director of Mission Impossible Two. Um, it feels more like that style. That sort uh, of John Woo. Gun. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, it it yeah, John, feels more John inspired Woo, by that. Yeah. John Woo does not make martial arts movies. John Woo makes action movies with he makes a gun very. He, well, I was about to say with a very particular Chinese aesthetic. Any, yeah. Any guys? Any guys ever play um, Strangle? I didn't, unfortunately. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, it's it really, really slow good. Slow down bullets and because I think because I think Hard Boiled is like one of the greatest action films ever fucking made, and I didn't see it until like I wouldn't say fairly recently, but I saw it later in life, and like I was blown away. I was like, "This is insane!" and I can't believe it's still going. <laughs> well, you should you should also see a better tomorrow then as well. I was like I was that's... like we're like I was like we're like fifteen gun sequences into this movie. I still got an hour left. <laughs> Man, I'm getting so much for this dollar. When he saves the fucking baby at the end of the movie and the the hospital that's blowing up. I was like, this is completely <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> oh, speaking of rails, in Stranglehold, you can go, you can, you can do like skateboard stuff, that, like going up rails, shooting people up and down. That's awesome. It's um, that I, I, that is actually a something that was taken from, or it had to be taken from the failed Daredevil game. Where you just slide along power line power cables? Mm, how unfortunate. Um, this movie is John Woo as done by Nine Inch Nails. Yep. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. It's it's it is kind of John Wooy, but at the same time, it's so yeah. It's so it's stir- kind of in. Go ahead. It's it's like it's. I wouldn't say I don't use the word North American inspired, but it's Western culture inspired with like flares of John Woo because yeah, I don't think you ever see a Chinese action movie with like fucking I don't know with notable North American like punk rock and grunge bands. Yeah, it's, it's John Woo with a uh, industrial slather. Over yes, him. very yeah. much so. 
I mean, it, anything it, that's going to have my life with the Thrill Kill Cult and the soundtrack kind of knows what it's going for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But even the gunplay sequences are awesome. I think that table sequence yeah. that we were uh, talking about earlier is incredible. He's missing, and then he's just pulling them under, and he's just... Yep. Yeah, yeah was... especially when you, like... It's, I think gunfights get in more interesting when you have a centered character who's the aggressor who can't fucking die. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... And they're just emptying I bullets. You, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. No one's leaving this room alive. Yep. And I love well, at the end, like, he wraps himself up with tape afterwards. Like, mm-hmm. so good. Well, and that's that was one of the, going back to uh, some of the more comedy moments. During the uh, the fight scene in the church, during the gunfight, there's one point where people are firing in every direction, and all of a sudden, off of uh, the left-handed side of the screen, <laughs> you just see Brandon Lee jump <laughs> in between pews. Like, I don't it's know so why, good. but it was, it's, just, it was so great. It's very random, but it, it, I don't know, it works. Um, yeah. Yeah, it definitely works in the movie. Um, yeah. A lot um, of good stuff about this, though. I did like at the end, too, when he is... His, he's stripped of his power, so you're not stuck with an invincible protagonist the whole time. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, like as soon as he starts taking damage and he can feel it, God, you feel fucking bad for him. Yeah. Brandon Lee's yeah. facial expressions the whole time, he's like, he's aghast. He's like, oh shit, this hurts, and this I'm in trouble now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shut up. Oh, 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 fuck. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Well, oh, and that goes, that goes back to when a fun boy shoots him through the hand, and he knows he's, he's invincible. He's fucking laughing. He turns around, yeah, he's like, he, you look, he looks like he's in pain, and then you just see him smile and roll his eyes. And, and then the fuck, and then he puts his hand in front of the camera, you're looking through his fucking gunshot wound hand, and he's giggling his ass off. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's such a fun movie in so many different places, and it's so well done for the time. Yeah. And the fact that it's a comic book adaptation is something that I don't think a lot of people even realize, even at this point. It yeah, this is a... Out. I thought it was just some, you know, a random thing that people who shop at Hot Topic really liked. <laughs> and that's not me. I'm not meaning to be demeaning, because, like, when I was uh, leaving elementary school, going through intermediate school, and, like, kind of even as far in high school, like, I, a lot of those people who, you know, you would say with Shop Hot Topic are very fucking nice people mm-hmm. um, who just happen to, you know, dress and look a certain way. Um, yeah. They all loved it, and I think even half, like, some of those people didn't even know it was a comic book. But it's kind of ingrained in that kind of subculture. Oh, yeah. Totally it's it totally it's definitely part of the Johnny Depp girl yes. culture. Yes. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, that can, it's, that can it's, be when I say the word the soundtrack. Like people, I think people you like kind of when they hear the word goth, like they don't they apply it to one specific thing, not realizing it is also a few other things. Like eighties mm-hmm. goth is completely different from what people perceive to be like the cafeteria kid goth. Like, yeah, it's not just like metal t-shirts and fucking spiky hair. It's also black eyeliner. It's fucking big ridiculous hair, um, mm-hmm. and a certain style of like clothing and you know personality traits. Yeah, what? and you could even include Michael Wincott's costume in this. Like he's oh, totally. he is a he's that sort of retro goth like Victorian thing going on yep. in this movie. Yes. Yeah, which uh, that was that was something interesting I was reading about um, when uh, actually, if I remember correctly, uh, Alex Perlis wasn't supposed to be the original director. I think he came in a little bit later, maybe or maybe that, or maybe it was a production a member of the production team. I can't remember exactly. Ah, so you're saying a director in a crow movie left? That fucking never happened. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's um, that, 
but regardless, Brandon Lee was actually heavily involved in uh, going over the scripts with them and giving suggestions. And hmm. he possibly did the greatest thing he could have done or anybody could have done for this movie is he suggested to them to get rid of a supernatural Asian assassin character that was going to work for Michael Wincott and his sister. Huh. And, That's not and surprising that, at all. That would have made the movie so dumb if they would have done that. It yeah. would have it would have added that one thing that we said was missing and it doesn't need it was the stupid martial arts element. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, because that would have seemed so out of place, like, oh, he's a mystical spirit of vengeance who also knows Kung Fu. Right. Well, and I kind of wonder if the writer who thought up that character felt that they had to force it in somehow. That's why Michael Wincott had the vault of swords in his dilapidated building in Detroit. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I have a separate theory about that, which is something that was brought up <laughs> that I brought up in the chat. And I, oh god! So I have for anybody, <laughs> for anybody who has seen the film The Three Musketeers from 1993, a year before this film, Michael Wincott is in that, and he's the eye patch man you know if you've watched or read any version of three musketeers this character shows up he's the quintessential guy with an eye patch he has a sword in that movie i wasn't sure of this it just occurred to me what if that's the exact same sword that he's using in this movie <laughs> because it's just it's a french rapier um uh it's the same kind of sword so i looked it up it is the exact same sword it is <laughs> everything about the sword is identical he it's took that total sword with shed him. in Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. I believe the rapier is. You know, in... Alan. I know some people who would fucking rake you over the coals for saying that. <laughs> Come at me, boy! Uh, don't you don't you talk shit about Ricard's rapier like that, okay? No, no, no. So I'm talking about the base we, one. Are we establishing in this episode that uh, Michael Wincott is a big sword man and he just demanded this as part of his contract? What I we're all saying is that Michael Wincott was also in Dark Souls too with the same sword. <laughs> I, have, I have a theory all of those swords are Michael Wincott's um, <laughs> yep. all of them even in, I, even in Darksiders 2 yep <laughs> he took virtual swords and had real ones made um, two sides like, and he just brings those a, swords with him like, to so every your character movie. has a scythe why do you have a sword my characters all have swords so, uh, Michael, okay, yeah, we'll give him a sword you'll give him this sword it's great you're doing this commercial for uh, the uh, butter the butter conglomerate of America, but uh, why do you have 15 steamer trunks with you that have my swords in them? <laughs> like, he's on the set of Alien Resurrection, and he has swords with him. And he has a fucking Got Milk commercial, and they're just like, all right, Michael, on set, he just walks in, like, fucking just parries and stabs a carton of milk. He's, like, done. <laughs> Got Katana. Now. Uh, yeah. So uh, one of the one of the other interesting things that uh, back when I was in middle school, maybe it was my first year of high school, that I was obsessed with the uh, the comic. And actually, no, this came out in '94. So, anyways, when I was when I was a much younger man many years ago, um, my one friend who was also obsessed with the Crow had bought the CD-ROM that had a bunch of bonus stuff about this movie because at the time you couldn't really find stuff because the internet was just barely even a fart in the wind at that point and reading Starlog or whatever, it would take months to even get to something like this. Hmm. But in the in the original cut of the movie, there was a character from the comic that was supposed to be in the movie, which is a skeleton cowboy who was supposed to be... What? Oh, yes, I remember this. He's supposed to be 
instead of the crow... Well, no, the crow in the comic was just Eric's conscience. He wasn't a physical manifestation. He didn't have right. any weaknesses in the comics. And in the comic, he also had this ghost cowboy that was trying to basically keep him on track, or skeleton cowboy, that was basically constantly telling him, like, your business isn't with the living, your business is with the dead, and basically telling him, you know, keep going, you have to kill these guys to finish what you have to do to get back to your dead girlfriend. And he was apparently in the movie for a few scenes, and they decided it just looked so bad that they weren't going to keep him in. I really wow. wanted to. I would really like to see what that would look, would look like. Oh, you can you can look it up if you just look up Skeleton Cowboy and I, Crow, you'll find it right away. I don't have my phone with me, but if you look up Sparkle Horse, the Skeleton Cowboy is in that. Also, if you want to look at the original drawing of him, but there's a sort of added story that they made called Sparkle Horse, and it ends with the cowboy saying, "Nice shot." So. Yeah, well, and that's interesting. That was one of the other things in the comic. Um, they Eric would tie spent bullet shells in his hair after he killed each of the people he was trying to kill, T-Bird, all of them. And if I remember correctly, there's a scene in the movie, if you look closely, you can see what looks like a bullet shell that's tied into his hair. It's one of the close-ups near the end of the movie where I think they were trying a bunch of different stuff and... It just wasn't working, and because of them being on such a short budget, it ended up that they left it in just because they didn't have the time to edit it out. Holy um, shit. This yeah. does not look How good. fucking weird. Yeah. It was a direct carryover from the comic, which there were, like I said, there's a lot of things that they carried over from the comic, and including lines in the second Crow movie that were in the original comic that they just couldn't fit into this movie. Man, if they put the skeleton cowboy in the second movie, <laughs> um, wow, I think it probably would have been a lot better, to be honest. Yeah, well, the I weird connections between this movie and Ghost Rider. Which... <laughs> I was thinking also... that, too. Like, <laughs> like, there's a fucking... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Also, we should... so this is going to come out around Christmas time. Uh, this is a very good... Christmas movie choice. We didn't even plan on it that way, but it works. It's about a guy with long hair who comes back from the dead. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, um... Holy shit, doesn't he make a Jesus joke, too, at some point? Yeah, mm -hmm. he does, yeah. Well, <laughs> Jesus goes to the innkeeper and hands him three nails and says, hey, can you put me up for the night? Yeah. And he's getting shot. King Cross, King Cross blasts me off the list of things we haven't done yet, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure we've blasphemed many times. Oh, yeah. I'm sure I have blasphemed all, every time. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, all in all, I'd say this is a movie that's well worth seeing now. Like, I was worried that it wasn't going to hold up, but I, oh, this, I was this so movie, pleasantly surprised. This, we went, me, and, uh, me and the boys with Movie Dumpster went back and recently watched uh, <clears throat> The Equilibrium. Oh, and oh. Usually, see, that's the reaction we all have when I suggested. Oh, I was my. like, I was like, let's fucking watch Equilibrium. They're like, yeah, let's do it. And then we sat there, and all three of us independently kind of came forward afterwards and was like, I sat down ready to fucking laugh at this movie because I didn't uh -huh. think time would be. Too, I didn't think time was gonna be kind to it. Right. And we all came out of it like, this movie gets silly at times, but this movie is actually very fucking good when it's when it's like firing in all cylinders. And right. um. Not so much to the extent of the silliness, but, like, The Crow is a movie that you think is aged badly that actually hasn't. Well, it hasn't really aged outside of some, like, technical stuff. It's yeah. because 
most of the time when you revisit something from like peak nineties, it doesn't work. Nope. It's it, <laughs> like it does. It just nope. doesn't work. Anything peak nineties. Um, hey, dude, let me like, say, let me tell some nineties kids and stuff. And I'm a nineties kid. Like a lot of stuff you like in the nineties is actually pretty fucking bad. Yeah. Like, like the It TV series. Uh, I, yes. I, I, I won't go that far, but Kazam. Like, seriously, guys? Really? Like, I don't get it. But, like, there are people who, they like to think that all these 90s movies are really good, or they just have like, these very strong opinions about 90s movies. If it wasn't directed by a Scorsese or a De Palma, and it's from the 90s, it's probably shit. Like, if it's not perfect you can just forget about it because a lot of it's crap and especially the stuff that feels of the time which is what makes this movie so surprising like it feels like 1994 it's like bleeding on off of the screen but it doesn't feel like it hurts the movie in any way so no it's because it's live it's it's rather than dying on its sword it's like living on what it's what's what it's inspired by Mm mm-hmm like yeah. it's it's reveling in the fact that it's it's so 90s and so very unique to its time and you know and tone. Yeah. Well, it it doesn't have that problem that that I feel like a lot of movies that are very specifically based in a time period have. It's not like winking at you the whole time. It's just no. Here's here's True. when it's taking place. Let's go. And that's all the more you need, really. Yeah. No, and it it kind of works in a way that. This is going to be a very lofty uh, comparison, but, like, Fury Road works because it kind of functions like a fairy tale. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, it is. I think all the Mad Max movies past the first one are basically post-apocalyptic fairy tales. Um, Mm -hmm. This plays out like a fairy tale. Connor, I have to tell you something that will make you mad at me. Okay. (sighs) What, have you not seen Road Warrior? I have not seen. I've only seen Fury Road. I mean, nah, that's not. You're not. Yeah, there's so many people who didn't even know this was a fucking sequel. Yeah, Alan. Like, I we're mean, not I knew of. I knew bad. of Mad Max and everything. Right. If you'd said you hadn't heard of Mad Max before, that's different. Mad Max but, is in the same level, kind of as The Crow, where if you have, if you weren't exposed to it growing up, you yeah. probably weren't going to get around to it until you were an adult anyway. Yeah, and or probably you weren't, weren't going to appreciate, and like, you'll probably appreciate it more as an adult anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, if you weren't obsessed with the occult, like I was, as I've explained many times, you wouldn't have found this movie. It, like, if I wasn't obsessed with people rising from the dead and that as an idea, I I never would have seen this. So, yeah, that's that's why this movie is even on here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, for me, it was just I was. I was starting to really get into comics and somebody's like, hey, you should check this out. Because at the time it was just, I didn't read the single issues, obviously. It was just mm-hmm. a graphic novel and somebody introduced it to me and that was that was it. Like, See, I, that was... I'd seen this movie before this time period, but um, the same ex that drilled Evanescence into my brain incessantly and now has caused me to loathe that band with every fiber of my being. Um, <laughs> she loves this movie to pieces. I can't um, wait, go! That explains a lot. Fucking yeah. the internet kill you. Um, but I yeah. know why she likes this movie, and it make it like it's it's one. It's a great movie, and two, like the mm-hmm. the romantic element of it is very endearing. Um, yeah. And and the two of us together like watch this movie like fucking I don't know eight times. Like she loves it so much. Yeah. Um, and it's not something. And let me tell you something. As someone who's seen it that many times, 
I didn't have to watch it recently. I know everything about this film. Um, on repeat viewings, in that kind of a time window, it didn't ever get old. So yeah. right. Well, yeah, and I, I think it's it's good to point out that like there are very few scenes with Eric and his wife character that the Shelley character. Um, there aren't. There's not that many. It's maybe ten, fifteen minutes all added up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the performances in those 15 minutes are really good and it's spread throughout the film, but you really believe that these two people were in a relationship and well, also, it like, I think feels the, genuine the juxtaposition of like, you see them like in their attic and she's putting the clown mask on and they're like slam cut to her in a hospital in a fucking neck brace with blood over mm-hmm. your face. And you're just like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it elicits like a very sincere reaction out of you. And that's something else I want to call this movie earlier is sincere. Um, yeah, it means everything is doing, and it means it with a hundred percent. Yeah, no, it's, I totally agree with you on that point, Arlen. Though it's that they, it the the love story aspect of it, it could have gone one of two ways. It could have been very quickly shown you to the shown to you in the beginning, and then disappeared, and you're like, okay, so we have motivation, and then it's just un, unimaginable carnage the whole time. Or they could have bogged you down with it the whole time and made Eric this character that's just completely sad sack and always talking about it but they they hit a very nice medium ground with it where they give you just enough to understand why he's doing what he's doing but it and it's also like proceedings through performances yeah. and like editing you don't constantly need to be reminded because um, mm-hmm. eric draven when he's not on a when he's not gleefully killing people because um, he is boy does he look happy when he's killing gangsters yes um, yep. when he's not doing that he's not having like um He's not like cracking wise. Uh, he looks unrelentingly sad. Yep. At various points in the movie, um, which then, when you kind of flip that coin, like when he looks jovial, it's amazing. I think there's a sequence where he's watching trick or treaters pass by him, and he yeah. has the biggest, silliest, happiest smile you'll ever see. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. And it shines through when he is like he's covered in face paint. Yeah. Like and and the blood of all the people he just got done killing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, children play. This it's corn yeah. syrup. Go away. <laughs> um, and the you know Shelley's character is effective while barely being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's yeah, only the, in a few minutes of the their whole relationship. Movie. Their relationship kind of. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's the same, but like you go to watch a movie like Deadpool, and you're not expecting to walk out of it and go, "Wow, they're a really cute couple." <laughs> it's but it's a fair comparison. It's a very fair comparison. Yeah. I think Deadpool. It only works as well as it does because you really believe Ryan Reynolds and Marina Baccaron would be together. You really believe their chemistry. And it, it's very similar. You believe the chemistry between these two people. So, And I think it has to do with the fact that, like, I don't know who played Shelley, but because Brandon Lee was not a household name or a celebrity, like, they look like two regular people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's not this yeah. element of, like... This isn't. This is not believable. Even, yeah, um, Brandon Lee's like a bass the, player, right? And like he's as ripped as you would imagine a bass player to be. Assuming I yeah, got the. Yeah, he's as ripped. He looks right. like a guy who's in a fucking band. Okay, yeah. Yeah. that's what he looks like. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, that's it. He's got long hair. He's got a nice body, and he wears black clothes. That's what yep. he got. I'm. Sur- what? How did they? How did the cat survive? <laughs> well, because uh, Alan, so that, is that where you've been the last thirty-five minutes just trying to figure that shit out? No, because cats, I was... um, cats can survive just about anything. Al. So they're uh, 
Well, that and just based on all the stuff that Eric was able to pull from the wreckage of his the police didn't do a very good job of cleaning up right. that scene, so I'm guessing there was just food strewn, ever, strewn everywhere in the I house so the cat could survive. I don't, think, I don't think the police did a job of cleaning up that place. <laughs> also, cats can climb and jump. Yeah, That cat could have gotten out, and cats, if you look up statistics, like cats are responsible for rodent death and other animals within, a, I don't remember the square yardage of your house. But they are like the biggest causes of death around your house. Uh, Alan, as far as do you, um, as you can see. Do you so. read the Do you read the oatmeal? Alan, say what? Do you read the oatmeal uh, webcomic? No. Okay, very good shit. But this dude yeah. wrote a, a long comic about how he grew up with like I think nine or fifteen different cats. Jesus. And he said one of them. That's fucking nothing. I deal with cat hoarders all the time. We had, we had Alan doesn't like five. cats. Let's remember that. Alan, yeah, is, I don't like in them. General doesn't don't like them. So ah, I'm a dog person. Like them you don't know what you're missing out on. I'm a dog um, person. I like cats. Um, anyway, this, the writer grew up with like 15 cats. He had said one of them was just fucking busted. Like it was just, just evolution should have taken this cat years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess while they were away, I can't remember this exact story, but like the the basis of it is like while they were away, the house caught fire. And basically every animal died. Um, and they said as they're surveying the wreckage and all this other stuff in the snow, chilling out, was the one busted cat. <laughs> and of all the things they lost in that house, the one that shouldn't have survived was the one that survived. Like cats are like masters of nature. They <laughs> they do fine. <laughs> And and now that I live with five of them, trust me, I know. <laughs> Can you please link send me a link to that? To yes, that? I will. I'll send you the, the the fucking the oatmeal is a great website. Not to get too off topic, but like, yeah, he's. I'll even send you his rant on uh, Jibber's Crapst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the angry crustacean that comes from the rings of Saturn. <laughs> um, back to the crow. That really yep. sad movie. Um, yeah, this really sad movie. We. We really and we've had a about. we've had a really fucking good time talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, I don't think and, and with an exit died, I don't think you should celebrate. Uh, I don't think you should be sad while celebrating an actor's career. And this is basically Brandon Lee's career. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'd probably be very happy knowing there's a bunch of people hanging out down here somewhere just chuckling about his his fucking movie. Yeah, which yeah. Is, and it's it's important to point out, and I pointed this out during TMNT. This is still early days for comic book movies. Oh, yeah. This is this is, is six years or no, this is four years before this Blade. Is, this is yeah, this is years before comic movies became like a thing. This yeah. what well this well before yeah. comic book movies uh, this before people were kind of accepted this was from a comic yeah. book. Well, and beyond that, this was a fully independent comic book too. Right, just like, like this, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think this nails, from what I understand, the aesthetic of the book. Um, and it's, yeah. it's a great movie. And not like sometimes you can have a good adaptation, but not a great film. And this is both. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. So um, I don't. I can't think of probably what's a good adaptation and a bad. Oh well, I guess Mortal Kombat. <laughs> ah, you know what? Mortal Kombat's fine. <laughs> Well, that was that was just. I a, think Mortal uh, Kombat is great because it's a great adaptation. But you're like, this movie's dumb as fuck. But I don't care. <laughs> I like the fact that you mentioned Mortal Kombat because when they first show you Top Dollar when he's sitting in bed and 
looking at the snow globe of a graveyard. Oh, man. When he, he first looks towards the camera, him. he he looks so much like Christopher Lambert. <laughs> that I was, I was just kind of ah, You don't understand how much history Christopher Lambert has with this show. <laughs> My sister is my wife. I'm tone it takes on my voice to do this, and here it's getting worse. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I saw that. I don't know what happened. Did that guy swallow a fucking rusty brush when he was a child? What happened to his voice? I don't, I don't Where know. Where is he from? Where is he from? <laughs> what is that accent? <laughs> he's from France. He is? Are you sure? He's, from, he's he French. the same question on the show, like, last year. Like, I was like, where the fuck is he from? I'm pretty I sure just, he's French. I'm not sure, though. I mean, I him, thought he was as well, but I just, I don't know. That accent is like and, no French accent Bang, I've ever heard. Him and Ben Kings are in the same room. They're just both like, what? I don't even fucking understand you. What are you? What? <laughs> Christopher, Lam- Christopher Lambert was from... God of Thunder. Did any of you ever see the movie South Blind Tales? No. No. No, I've never, I've never sat through the whole thing. Christopher Lambert is in that movie. And he gets taken out by Sherry O'Terry of SNL fame. God damn it. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's Boy. the best. That's the fucking movie from the Donnie Darko guy, right? Yeah. That had yeah. the rock wow. on Oh, God. Wow. And Sarah Miller playing porn star. Suddenly, suddenly, Alex Proyas, the director of this movie, has something in common with the rant we were just on. Uh, in, that, yeah. in that they made maybe one or two good flicks and then fucking gone. Yeah. Yeah. And at right. this point, it seems like the world has kind of moved on from Dying Darko, and they're like, meh. Oh, you would think so. You would think so. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, you know some people who would prove me wrong. Oh, I... Let's say I have people who are related to me by blood who think that that's the greatest film ever made. So, uh, um, tell them, tell them to go rewatch it. Like I rewatched yeah. Boondock Saints, and it's like this sucks. I'm just gonna look through my notes real quick, make sure that we are. Oh, um, so the four thugs guys, the, the fired up boys. Um, mm-hmm. I noticed something. They're all eating bullets. Um, yeah, and we presume that those aren't the first bullets they've eaten. I mean, I think it's fairly clear how we can explain why they are the way they are. They all have flesh poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> this whole movie could be stopped cute. if they just didn't they'd eat stop bullets. eating bullets. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of you something you shouldn't have to tell people. I'm glad you mentioned that because those four are very fucking off of like, like. They're not just movie crazy. I'm like these dudes are fucked up on something. Who was what was the name of again of the last one who got thrown out the window? Skank. Skank. Remember <laughs> the scene? The last one. Remember when he's in the in the in the uh, convenience store and he's just op- just opening a bag of chips and just starts is just eating it as he's going through like it's his own personal pl- place of. Yeah, Zen. and some of the chips go all over the floor too. <laughs> and he has them well, stuck in his mouth. Shortly. So, uh, Shortly after that, when uh, when T Bird and Eric are driving off, and he realizes what's going on, and that guy hits him with his car, and he gets out, and he's not like, "Hey, are you okay, man?" He calls him an ass hair. What? Hey, <laughs> ass hair, you heard that is something. There are weird turns of phrase, um, one of which is from the comic, because I was just looking at it. Um, Gideon says "shit on me" multiple yeah. times in this movie, and oh, I didn't. Well, I remember. I don't know where that's oh, from. He's the, fuck, he's the pawn store owner, right? Yeah. yeah. 
But like, I guess it's from shit, shit on me, shit, shit. Yep. And if you go with the line of dialogue about him being a pedophile, it gives you a real weird like. Uh, oh God! Oh, what, oh. like what like, his oh, thing must no. be. Like there is a phrase in this movie that's just all about timing that makes me crack up every time I see it, and it's when I don't remember what exactly is happening, but it's when like the one cop is in his car. And, like, something blasts by them so quick he spills his coffee and goes, what the crap? (laughs) (laughs) And it goes all around. He just... He he says it, like... It's T-Bird and um, Eric. And Eric. Yeah, he says it with, like, such fucking conviction (laughs) and sincere anger. It it sounds like someone who's never cussed in their life was just told to say fuck. (laughs) And that goes back to like He's like, what the crap? That goes back to my uh, other point I was going to make about Skank after he gets hit by the car and he steals it from the guy. When he's driving it and various whatnot has happened to it to impede his ability to see, he's he has to make the the comic timing comment of "Oh man, stupid foreign cars" as he's trying to trace T Bone and Eric. It's so good. It's um, yeah, I also love T Bird's insistence that Eric isn't dead. Yeah, you, you don't like, come back. You can't come back. No, this isn't yeah. happening. There's no way. We just didn't kill you. Just, <laughs> it's so good. You're <laughs> dead, man. You're dead. Well, that, denial that... of reality is just get the fact that, like, no, we didn't kill you. We somehow screwed up by shooting you and knocking you out a window and dropping you 15 stories. <laughs> well, that was one of the other interesting things that, uh, that, they, that Tiber, the actor who played him, chose was uh, he kept quoting from Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. And that was... That was something he chose to do of his own accord to get into character and going as far as to buy a an antique copy of the book. And that's what he's reading from during the flashback scenes where they're killing and raping Eric's uh, fiance and Eric himself. Hmm. I just I thought that was an interesting Wait, they raped Eric? I didn't realize yeah. that that was supposed to be his book. That's that's an interesting well, little I thing. Don't, I don't think it was supposed to be his book. I think right. it was, it's the actor himself bought right. the book to okay. add to. Yeah. Um, it should be noted that his character in here and the character he plays in Warriors are very similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're both either part of or the direct catalyst for the movie's plot. Yeah. Hmm. In that's the Warriors, he is the one who shoots Cyrus. And yep. kickstarts the entire manhunt for the Warriors. And in that movie, he is... I would act, in the Warriors, he's more dialed up. In the Warriors, he is a manic, uh, aggressive, possibly drug-fueled uh, psycho. Yeah. Uh, and it this, he's basically... Yeah, in, in this, he's basically that, but far more subdued. Yeah. And he's older. Hmm. He's way older. So. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting, because if you go to, like, the midway point, which is Commando, he's playing, like, this, like sleazy, like, um, I don't know what to call him, businessman assassin, I guess? Businessman, I, I don't know, but, like, he's he's very similar in character to this, but he, he has moments where he's very dialed up. Yeah. Um, I also think it's interesting that he is in both films, and both films, like I said, Catalyst involves someone getting shot in the chest and, and falling off a large object. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amusing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have something else in your notes? I'm gonna. I'm. I thought I had some. Oh, um, Darla's boss and the detective are both dicks. <laughs> they yes. both fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having a good time, Darla, and the, yeah. and the detective. Well, just face. by nature, of course, the detective is a dick. Yeah, he's. <laughs> well, the bartender was nice he's to. A dick uh, dick. Nice to her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. 
But he's yeah. a total dick. Yeah. <laughs> just another, another. Good night, Darla. Yeah, and I, I don't know if we brought this up or not, but the thirty hours of pain at the end of the movie. Oh that, yeah. that still is like. It's a very, thirty think, hours of pain. I think it's a really interesting way to dispose of your villain by not like, by not, by not just giving a killing blow, but rather mm-hmm. than like directly repaying him for the damage he did to his life. Yep. Well, and they. Most even way possible. Like, forget eye for an eye. Like, this is like, I'm going to give you literally everything you put upon me and my family. Yep. Well, it's interesting, too, because they they hint at what Eric is doing, but they don't let you directly know. Because when he uh, when he touches Albrecht's face to uh, mm-hmm. get the information about Shelly, like, when Albrecht goes over to see if he's okay, and Eric's like, don't touch me! Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that was directly them leaving that there to be like, well, this is why he doesn't want him to touch him, because he could potentially release all of this on him. That was yeah. the way I interpreted it. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. This is what uh, Spawn no, should I... have been. <laughs> I mean, that's... You know that, Actually, that's, that's a fair. very fucking good observation. Spawn should have been much more like... Fuck that. you, Todd! Spawn is... Bit... No, it's not Todd's fault. Because there are moments in this movie not. that could have been, like, terrifying. Um, it if they were just like amped up a little bit, if if Eric was a little bit more shadowy, this could have been just like a slasher movie, but from the bad guy's perspective almost. Um, yeah. and that's kind of what Spawn should be. So, yeah, yeah, no. Um, both Spawn is a very tragic character on paper. Um, mm-hmm. he is, you know, he dies violently. Wants to come. He wants nothing more than to come back and see his wife. And the devil's like. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, well, at least and then, like, and then does the, a better job the, of... Yeah, and then the deal is even worse when he comes back. It's like, yeah, you're yeah. back, but uh, no more record. I the deal. Pray I, I don't alter it any further. Well, at least Eric no gets a crow god, so he, 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 got, he got, a better, got a better slice. I yes, think. And, Eric is, and Eric is given basically what he's supposed to get out of this. Is it yeah. really a bargain? I don't know if it's a bargain. I think it's just the crow god. I I think we're supposed to assume that this crow god is like a balancing force. Like that's what it yeah. does. It balances things and balances the scales, or even just a spirit of righteous revenge. Yeah, spirit of vengeance. <laughs> I mean, again, the connections to Ghost Rider are, are really there. Well, and, and that was so going heavy. to be my my comment about Spawn is at least Malbolgia has a better idea on how to do a Faustian pact than uh Sate or that uh, <laughs> what his face in Ghost Rider did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, remember the um the narr- the na- the narration done by what's her face? Shelley. Yeah. Or not Shelley, but yeah. That was one of the new things that was that they like did for the movie after Brandon Lee passed. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's reminding me of uh, the one line that seems to will, that will probably outlive this movie should it ever kind of vanish from people's minds, and that's it can't rain all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think people who haven't even seen this film know that line. Yeah, yeah I think so. It's kind of a, a I see dead people type of thing for this yes. movie. Um, uh, Except far more uplifting, and actually, like yeah. it's 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 not. I don't think it's something that's like oh, it's a throwaway kind of you know novelty line. Like within the context of it, um, and 
just the theme, the tone of this movie, like to have someone who has suffered the the most in this movie, look at someone and go, yeah, it, it can like it can't be bad all the time. Yeah, yeah. and that's and it's kind of the theme of the movie a little bit. Yes, like yeah. it, like the theme of the movie is like things will get better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not for Eric. Like everything's over for Eric. As soon as he's done <laughs> yeah. with this, like it's done. And that's part of the tragedy. It's like Eric's life is over. Yeah. Even if he did come back for a few days, like it's he's gonna do this thing and then go. Um, but yeah. everybody else has to pick up pieces. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know, okay. with Darla being saved, you do have some of a happy ending for somebody. But yeah, I mean, you get the sense that um, I can't. I can never remember the cop's name. Um, even Albrecht. as I have it right in Albrecht, uh, you get the sense that maybe I don't think he'll patch things up with his wife, but maybe he'll have a better. He'll actively try to have a better post marriage relationship with her or you know something like that and, yeah and like yeah. eric's eric's kind of you know his his revenge ghost does a lot of good for the people who are still living mm-hmm. yeah horrible violent criminals yeah. um it kind of and it took me a little while to realize this but uh the new twin peak season has a character named dougie jones who i'm sure everyone knows who've seen it whose existence was puzzling me the entire series and then it finally dawned on me like his purpose was actually to bring a lot of good to a lot of to a few characters in a show in that particular season was full of like the fucking grimmest and horrifying sequences of death and violence I've ever seen on television. Um, and at the end of it, it's just a, it's a very nice silver lining to something so bleak. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing here. Like Eric comes by, comes back for a few days and through very, very horrifying, violent means, like brings some fucking good to the world. Yep. All right. Um, I think we can probably wrap up. I mean, unless we want to talk more about how they shouldn't remake this, because well, this you know who's up. putting out, who's handling the distribution, right, of the remake? I don't I'm, really remember because there's I'm, so many Sony. Oh, yeah. oh, oh God. Oh, okay. no. oh, we don't need uh, to worry about I mean, that. Well, I mean, while we're just shy of two hours, let's just look for a few minutes, like. This does not need to be fucking remade. No, no, no. It I'm like it when they in... work. Yeah, it's, it's a Ghostbusters situation. I mean, I still I stand by just I make another think sequel. It's an even worse situation than Ghostbusters sequel because they're both unique movies. But like, Ghostbusters is something that kind of can adapt and evolve. Mm-hmm. They just chose to do it in a very poor way. I so I and I don't even hate that movie. I just don't think they made all the right decisions. Um. One of them, yeah. like we mentioned before, is don't turn around and fucking start lashing out at your audience. That's a dumb thing to do. Um, yeah. But The Crow is... It's kind of like... Um, well, it's kind of like remaking a, an anime film into a Western <laughs> film with none of the aesthetics that made the original what it is. And yeah. you're kind of stripping away an integral, like a very important part of the identity of this film. Yeah, and so you're releasing something that is already incomplete. Like it's not going to feel right or whole without this very particular aesthetic. And I think the crow is something that's very unique and very of its time. And if you attempt to replicate that, it's just going to be you're like, no, this is just this is nothing special because like we've yeah. the original was lightning in a bottle, and you can't do it twice. Yeah, no, yeah, I the agree. The crow is yeah. a time capsule. It's a time capsule of that time period of that particular scene, for lack of a better term, that they were trying to tap into, 
And to try and remake it and capture it with a modern audience and whatever their modern interpretation of that scene would be. Would and just, here's it, the and, it would and fall here's flat. The problem, here's the problem with the fucking studio you just said. We've all read the emails from Sony about Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I mean... You know, what they would do to this movie if they tried to basically be like, well, it was 90s rock then. Why don't we do EDM now? People yeah. would be fucking losing their minds. Yeah. It would come off horny, forced... What? Electronic dance music. Alan? You... Just, just do something that convinces me that you've seen the outside world in five years, please. <laughs> something, anything. Give me a sign. I, but um, yeah, I like live in EDM Central, and this bothers me. Like, yeah, I mean, we can see how this could go very wrong. Like, Death Wish is coming out very soon, and it, oh, I'll, I'll be honest, it looks fucking terrible. It um, looks fucking awful. The fact all, that Joe Carnahan wrote the script is not giving me any confidence no, whatsoever no, because everything else around it looks bad. You know how um, Eric just said this movie is a time capsule. This death wish, the time capsule, in mm-hmm. all the wrong ways. Yeah. Um, I heard Chris Antista on Laser Time recently call it a terrible alt-right fucking wet dream uh, about a white guy with a gun shooting a bunch of minorities. Um, and Jeff those Goldblum. Are the, those, are the, those are the sequels more than... Because I mean, even people who like the first one, their problem with it is it doesn't go far enough. It's Wait, the, the book... Esquely violent film. Go ahead. Yeah. What about the book? <laughs> no, the book. Sorry, um, the book that the death, the first Death Wish with Charles Bronson was based on. Even the author has said, like, no, this is this is not what people should do. Because yeah. He, if I remember correctly, at the end of the book, like the guy is getting to the point where he's like, well, those kids look like they're going to do something bad. Yeah. And the, he's... the book comes out very roundly as against the main character, and that's yeah. what uh, Death Sentence does. Death Sentence started as a remake of death wish um and that's What's, why what i love about death sentence is that you can actually watch kevin bacon's character's sanity decrease and dec- and his his well-being declines and at the end of it he is like one his family is destroyed and two he just he loses his fucking will to be a human being mm-hmm. revenge is was... a bad thing yep and that's what makes this new one look <laughs> it oh. looks tone deaf yeah, tone death. Like the fact that they're promoting as a comedy, somewhat is sickening to me, and it's mm-hmm. really put it like Eli Roth couldn't do much more to really make me not like him. Now I'm just like fuck Eli Roth. Um, yeah, he, he should have made Meg instead because yeah. Um, which uh, the revenge theme is very prevalent in the Crow, but the Crow is not glorifying revenge. No, um, no. The and, Crow is kind of just showing you is it. it Two wrongs did not make a right. Yeah. Like I said, people are still dead, and it ends with more people dead, but no one comes out and says what you're doing is right. Right. Because murder is still bad no matter how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Frank Can Castle was not right. Yeah. It's just hard to argue with a man just like to Frank Castle. I say that. Yeah. Frank yeah. Castle and... is not right. What he's doing is illegal and immoral, but if you were Frank Castle, you might understand why he feels the way he does. Yeah. And there's a movie that I'm I'm not sure if any of us have seen from South Korea called I Saw the Devil. Yes. Um, I Saw the Devil will probably make you rethink every act of violence you have ever committed. I Saw the Devil is probably the blueprint for how revenge will fuck you up. Yeah. That movie is mean, it is horrifyingly violent, and it leaves you feeling completely empty inside. And it's marvelous from start to finish. <laughs> 
you know, it's a phenomenal film, but it is a very nasty film too. It, the, the the character you're rooting for at the end of the movie ends up becoming as bad as a serial killer he's hunting, and it it ends with him sobbing to himself. Yeah, it is ghastly, yeah. and I'm not going to say any more details about it in case you want to watch it. Um, but um, yeah, re- the, revenge is bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It only works this, in this, this movie, movie because it gets away with it because again, it, it, it's it's like I said, the fairy tale element is what kind of drives this, as opposed to um, mm-hmm. trying to laugh at Bruce Willis while he shoots down a bunch of people. Yeah, shoots a bunch of black people. Um, yeah, as as a old white guy. Um, yeah, but <laughs> here's the thing: I don't want to say that it's impossible to continue the the crow, and I understand why they want to do it because we've already said it's like. It's a hot topic thing. It sells, and I get it, but I think they should just bury it and, like, just promote this movie, First maybe. First of all, if, like, we, we, we have all collectively kind of ragged on Warner Brothers for mm-hmm. all these, like, DCEU kind of, like, like, how many directors have you guys gone through for Flash? Yeah. Like, if you just Google the Crow reboot and see how many actors and directors were attached to this fucking doomed project, um, you would say, okay enough mm-hmm. enough y'all can call it now yeah yeah and the latest one is part and the latest one who is who was associated with it is in the dceu yeah and that's still supposedly happening and again i think it could be done but i don't trust anybody who's worked on it recently i don't i i at all and i just nothing I about this project i don't trust sony because sony does not have um creative integrity in mind no, um, they have well, okay. they have trendiness and profiteering uh, in mind, and that's it. It's hard to say that when it's the same year that they put out Baby Driver, but yes, I agree with all of that. Aside aside from that, um, but yeah, like they don't know how to let directors do what they do, um, unless yeah, they don't know how to do that. Like if it's not a comedy and it's not directed by Paul Feig and it's not R rated, they don't know what they're doing. Ever yeah. really so it's yeah I don't I I reject that this movie will ever happen or if it does that it will be any good it it um, is much like in the sense that when the RoboCop remake came out the RoboCop remake is actually not bad um it's just it's not, not it's just not the original shining moments it's just not fucking it's it is so not the original and it's it's not in the fact that like I am pro remake despite what some people may think and I think most people should be pro remake because I think there's an advantage to looking back at work and go like, okay, well, what if you updated this mm-hmm. just like it, you know, within limits um, right. and, you know, did this instead of that. Like if you want to do a re-envisioning cool, like yeah. Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is fantastic because yep. it's effectively the same film, but what he adds and subtracts compl- makes it a completely different experience. Don't yeah. forget yeah. that True. James Gunn wrote it. Truly them, they don't just uh, wait till winter, but still it's a good film. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> it's really, it's really dumb that they just don't wait for the Wisconsin winter to hit these zombies that will freeze, <laughs> that will freeze in icicles. But whatever. Um, <laughs> that's something that bothers me every time I watch it. Um, well, here's yeah. the thing. Do you think? Do you think any of the executives or or crew were reading World War Z? I'm sure they were at the time. No, it wasn't out yet. It yeah, wasn't out right. for two uh, years. But, but back to the, the whole remake thing. But RoboCop, like, 
has cool ideas, and if they had stuck those cool ideas more in line with something that felt... Because those ideas were like... That was pro- like The scene where they strip him of all of his robotic parts, and he's just like a head and some lungs and a hand... Yeah, I was like, "That's fucking horrifying." <laughs> they didn't get what the old movie was about at all. Oh my god! <laughs> the, well, because the old movie's satire. It is. It's total I, satire. It's satire, and then like, and then all Verhoeven like, movies are. But if if you wanted to go the route of like a body horror film and a RoboCop film, that's cool. Sure. Um, and would have worked, but they the kind of just kind like, of body horror also. <laughs> yeah, the original's very body horror. The original's also like more tongue in cheek. Yeah, I don't think this this either wasn't tongue in cheek enough, or it was just uh, like just outright silly at some points. Like the whole I mean, like they're like th- like the joke about putting him in like the old look. I'm like, fucking come on! Like we get it. Yeah, it's but so... like yeah, that scene that scene's really horrifying. Um, also and, remember like, he's how like, they ripped... he's like he's like just fucking kill me. Um, remember the, when they ripped off that scene in Batman v Superman? For, oh God! For, for Cyborg. Mm. Uh, oh god yeah okay but yeah you know what movie sony should remake the dark tower (laughs) yeah oh god i saw that last night but yeah like the the robocop remake felt like it didn't have a soul and i'm pretty sure that like if this remake does come out i'm sure it's gonna feel the same way it's just feel like it's not gonna have a soul yeah i don't think it's gonna happen i i I would bet money that highlander happens before this happens because highlander as a concept, you can adapt Highlander to any time period, really. Um, you can literally do Highlander any way, any day of the week, and as long as it involves immortals cutting off people's heads and having lightning strike them, that's all you yes. fucking need. <laughs> yep. Yes. yep that's all, all you yeah. Just as With long as nobody like does a bad cover of Queen song during it, please. please Here please. we are. Um, but with this, with this, it's not like... With this, you'd have to basically replicate the entire experience to even get something that would remotely interest people yeah Yeah. or you need to uh, here's the thing they base it in a modern subculture that isn't that big right now something that's like on the fringes it could maybe work but even then it's it's hard because that's stuff can you could focus on that and then it comes out a year later after that thing has become big the crow uh ghostbusters or i don't even know the thing yeah. The thing, but it was a remake. Yeah. Um, or any of that sort, like something that's really, really like, please don't touch this. It's gonna feel forced, no matter what. Yeah, it's gonna feel very hollow. Um, and you're gonna have nothing but like, there's gonna be nothing but cynicism that's gonna float over it, and like nothing good will even come out of approaching the subject. Yeah, some things uh, do not need to be reproduced, and this is one. Yeah. Of those. And the problem is with remakes now, a lot of them are soulless, and a lot of them, they're just copying what somebody else did, and they don't, they don't understand, because in the 80s we had like a period of like some of the greatest remakes that have ever existed, The Fly, yeah, The Thing. I, mean, I brought The Thing, The Thing is a fucking remake, but if you watch the 50s thing from the world and The Thing, you're like, these are mm-hmm. two completely different films. Yeah, completely yeah, different, totally. and they don't The feel Fly like... as well, like... The yeah. fly has nothing in common with the original fly, other than there's a fly and there's teleportation. That's that's it. Yeah. Everything well, that else also, is different. That was Cronenberg just going Cronenberg on it. So yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um, so this is gonna this is completely off topic. But have you been? Seen... We can't go off topic. Yeah, Al. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, uh, we gotta. It's gonna be about Goldblum. Seven minutes. 
Uh, no, yeah, we, we don't can't have, do no. Gokum. Yeah, we, we need to. Right now. We, we need to wrap. Yeah. We're, we're we're over. Oh my god, but, um, it's midnight. How did I not notice that? And you wanted to go bloom. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we all want to go bloom. I w- <laughs> <laughs> is 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 gold blooming our way of like <laughs> our way of fucking spinning off topic? Like we're we're gold blooming right now. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this has been our Crow episode. I'm Connor McGraw. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Connor Thawn. Uh, I'm Arlen Harrell. You can follow me at spacecolumbo.tumblr.com. Also, phantomzone.wordpress.com for sharing the site and our YouTube and stuff. So, Alan? You can find me on Twitter at UnworthyMirror, or you can find me on Instagram at ComicsBoy. Sounded like we woke you up. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. Uh, I'm Eric Dorchek. You can uh, follow me on Instagram at Eric underscore Fedor and see lots of fun pictures of my puppy. Yep. He has new Very, puppers. Yep. Yes. Well, by the time this comes out at Christmas... Uh, it's, couple, it'll be a big pupper. Yeah, it'll be a much yeah. bigger pupper. But uh, also, Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas, yeah, Merry even Christmas, though right now it's the 5th of November. Bye! Fuck Apocalypse. Fuck the Dark Tower. Remember, remember, bro. Bye! It's over! And the women cried and the, and the children mourned There's something wrong It's hard to believe that love